0: Support for the following podcast comes from Glue. Glue has created software that helps get your church connected to the needs of your community. Resources on Glue are designed to help you reach people who don't typically go to church, but are asking for prayer, have questions about Jesus, or need your help. And these needs are delivered directly to you. Help your church reach and serve more new people each week with Glue from hope made strong this is the care ministry podcast a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals lives but it grows and strengthens the church but we want to do that without burning out so listen in as we learn about tools strategies and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to this week's episode of the Care Ministry Podcast. I'm excited because we're going to be talking all about communication strategies that help diffuse conflict. In the show notes, I have created a download called an emotions vocabulary chart. It's a, it's a very weird name for something really simple. One of the strategies I'm going to suggest involves talking about your emotions and since the everyday person can really only identify a handful of emotions, I thought offering this chart to help bring or increase someone's vocabulary would be a helpful tool. So you can grab that free download at hopemadestrong.org episode 63. Now, I need to tell you a story about communication styles. When my husband and I were dating, I was so nervous to meet his family. Aaron and I met at church, but his family lived in a different community. So it was Thanksgiving when I actually met the whole extended family for the first time. And the experience, well, let me tell you, it couldn't have been more different than my family. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Thanksgiving was held at his grandma's farmhouse. It was the middle of nowhere. Everyone was really polite and sweet and kind and the evening consisted mostly of quiet small talk. Not surprisingly for those who know me there was a moment when I put my foot in my mouth. Uh, A new law was just passed in Canada that would impact or maybe it was Ontario but it would impact farmers and I inquired about their opinion thinking that this was a safe you know current event small talk and I made sure not to share my opinion because well I would was new. (laughs) Let's just say it immediately went quiet. And it was already quiet, but it went awkwardly quiet. And uh, it quickly shifted to a safer topic. I don't even know if anyone answered my question. But this is my first family meeting. And I noticed how like, it was obvious that I crossed a social barrier. And I was super embarrassed. And then at Christmas, that's when Aaron came to my family event. And let me just say, I think it was a bit of a culture shock. Many of my family lives in Toronto. And so we, our uh, family Christmas event that year was held in downtown Toronto in the Annex. If you're from Canada, you know that is downtown Toronto. My family is multicultural, very politically active. And let's just say they have a, we have a long history of, of strong women. <laughs> at one point, Aaron looked to me and he was like, why is everyone yelling at each other? Is everyone upset? And I just laughed and I was like, no, they're just talking, babe. They're just talking. <laughs> everyone is really boisterous and even competitive. So there's usually a game played and everyone splits into teams and most of the game is just everyone yelling back talk at each other. It's all in good fun. Everyone's having a good time. It's just really loud fun. (laughs) And this Christmas was no different. Aaron, when we played the game, he his one of his responses was just safe. It was nice. It was sweet. And people still joke and poke fun at him at family gatherings. Like fifteen years later. Oh my gosh. Poor guy. He's just communicating in a style that he is used to, that he grew up with. And I had a similar experience with his family. Neither of us were wrong in our communication styles. We they were just, you know, what we were used to, what we grew up with, but perhaps our style in that setting evoked conflict. And, and this is what, where we, what happens with us. We all learn our communication styles and strategies from our experiences. I've met a number of people who have shied away, who regularly shy away and have trouble speaking up their opinion or sharing their ideas because in the past they've experienced anger or rejection or maybe even violence when they have shared their, their ideas or their opinions at the time of this recording, it, we're heading into the holiday season. It's pretty close to um, the American Thanksgiving and to Christmas. And with that, sometimes comes more tension or stress or, or gatherings of people. So I thought this might be a good time to offer some communication strategies that could be used to deflate conflict in ministry we are supporting people we are walking alongside people we are encouraging people and we often hear about people in conflict and having struggling in their relationships but we start to notice patterns or we see things as outsiders into in their life and it can be really hard to point out to someone that perhaps their their communication style or their or their strategy or 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 you know, how they're approaching the situation could actually contribute to the conflict. And that can be really hard to do. So I hope today in these strategies that I share, um, and this tool that I offer, you are able to both help yourself in your own life, as well as offer this as strategies for others. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is timing. One of the qualities of emotional intelligence is being able to read a room, knowing when it's appropriate to speak up or, or when it's a time, you know, you need to have that hard conversation or, or maybe you just need to hold your tongue and and wait for a better time to speak. And if you look back, I'm sure that there are times that you can remember when a conversation went south, primarily because of bad timing. So this first step in diffusing conflict is really just finding the best time. And to help with that, I want to introduce an acronym called HALT, H-A-L-T. It stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And it's a quick and easy reminder that if you feel any of these things, you should halt. You should stop immediately and either meet these needs or wait till they're addressed before having that difficult conversation. Essentially, you shouldn't have any meaningful or potentially conflict-inducing conversations at the end of a workday before you eat dinner after a day of sitting alone in your home office after a bad night's sleep. Like That just sounds like it's going to be a recipe for disaster. But how often we do that? I know I'm guilty of that because I don't want to wreck the vibe when things are feeling good. I don't, I don't want to, you know, bring up something negative when I'm getting along with my husband or, or, you know, there's, you know, our friends are doing well, but when we're stressed or we feel like our boundaries are pushed or we're agitated or we're tired, We blurt out something that's been bothering us or nagging at us or something that's deep inside and usually the outcome is offense and hurt feelings. When you are in a halted state, you are much more likely to react to situations than to respond. You're already in a state of stress and your body and mind are in full on defensive mode. Back in episode 24, I spoke about how to de-escalate a crisis, and I went into detail about what happens in your brain when you're feeling attacked or you're feeling threatened. Essentially, your brain is no longer processing information logically, so you're much more likely to be reactive rather than responsive. So this first step of diffusing conflict is really recognizing when you're in a halted state. Angry. Angry hungry, angry, lonely and tired. Hung- hangry is like a real thing. It's it's a being agitated as a result of being hungry. And my family, we know when we're hungry, we just we have a snack. We don't wait to dinner. We just we just make sure that everyone's fed before, you know, we'd go too far because it can really impact your well-being. You know, you get agitated more easily. And then the second one A is for anger. That's really actually a secondary emotion. What I mean by that is we feel angry as a response to feeling threatened. I'm sure many have heard of the fight, flight, and freeze response. Well, anger is like a fight response. We feel threatened or challenged, and so we respond with anger. And when we're in this state, our logic center of our brain is hijacked, and we're flooded with endorphins, and we don't process information the same way. We react without thinking logically or about the consequences. And and if you've ever said something in the heat of the moment, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's called the adrenaline hijack jack. It's when we don't think clearly, and we just react. So if you're ever feeling angry, use that old phrase, you know, you've got nothing good to say, better not to say anything at all. The L is for lonely. In the last few years, we've really become more aware of how loneliness has impacted our mindsets and our well being. But we don't need to be in the middle of a global pandemic with restricted social isolation to feel lonely, you actually can feel lonely in a crowded room. Loneliness is all about connection. And when we lose that connection, we are emotionally impacted. We are created to be in relationship with other people. Now, I'm not talking about you need to be an extrovert. You need to be around people all the time. No, that's not it. Introverts also have relationship needs. So no matter however big or small they are, having connection is really important because when we are disconnected, we can be easily hurt or offended and and, and feel rejection. And none of these emotions none of these feelings produce positive results. So before having a challenging conversation, Find some common ground with that other person. Find a way to connect with them so they're able to feel like they're in relationship. You're on the same side. You're working together. Now, the last one is tired. Tired. And tired isn't just about having sleep. We, we become worn out from a hard day and we just need downtime to, to replenish ourselves. When you're tired, your judgment is impaired and you have poor concentration. I definitely can attest to the impact on mood and the inability to pay attention when you're tired. That happens to me often. And when you're tired, you're not at your best self. And the person on the, end of the, on the other end of the conversation really deserves your best self. So prior to having a conversation, check in with yourself and maybe reflect on how the other person is doing. Are you or or are they in a halted state? If so, Be intentional to meet those needs and plan a time to connect later. Like don't ghost people. Don't put it off forever. Say, I need to connect another time and pick a time because picking the right time, knowing when it's inappropriate to have difficult conversations or sharing your opinion, that really is the first step in diffusing conflict, diffusing it before it even happens. Now, the second strategy is using I-statements. When a person feels like they're being blamed, whether they are at fault or not, it's common to respond with being defensive. You know, that wasn't me or that was because of this, that or that other person's fault. I statements actually shift that or, or change, turn that on its head. And they're a simple way of speaking that will help you avoid this trap by reducing feelings of blame. A good I statement takes responsibility for one's own feelings because we don't want to deflect that, but it also tactfully describes the problem. It's natural to want to deflect negative behavior and find fault in others. We're hardwired to be, to preserve ourselves and, and to avoid threat, to keep safe. Um, and of course, we want to justify our own decisions because we all know that we're right. <laughs> But when I say it's natural to do that, it doesn't mean it's helpful to identify and take responsibility for your feelings or beliefs while graciously describing the problem. The focus of the conversation is on your feelings rather than the characteristics or behaviors of the other person. For example, typically we would say if you're frustrated from your, your spouse coming home late, you, would, you could say, why are you always late? You never come home from work on time. And that is something that would typically say, but you saying the same thing, but using an I statement shifts the focus from the behavior to your feelings, saying, I feel like I'm not important when you always come home late. See how it shifts that feeling. You're not blaming the person. You're not attacking the behavior, but you're identifying how you are being impacted. Really, I statements allow you to be assertive without accusing the other person of their problematic behavior, allows for a more positive conversation, and it actually strengthens the trust and relationship. This communication strategy is really, really versatile. You can use it in your workplace, in your marriage, parenting, really any situation that there's a close connection and you need to maintain the relationship, yet deal with issues that might be negatively impacting you. I statements are not exactly natural. It's probably going to feel a little bit awkward at first because it's much easier to say to your children, if you call your sister a rude name one more time, I'm going to send you straight to bed. You know, that could be that's your instinct is if you do this, ah, uh, you know, then that. But it's more impactful when you switch it to use I statements. I'm disappointed when I hear you say rude words. I enjoy being around people who are kind. You're no longer attacking the person behavior or who they are but you're identifying how it makes you feel. So while say using I statements might not be natural, it's definitely worth practicing. The pattern is saying I feel, then describe your emotion or how it's impacting you, and then you say when and you use the explanation of the situation. For example, like I am disappointed when I hear you say r- rude words or I feel like I'm not important when you always come home late from work. And and really, that's the pattern. It's I feel and it's describing your emotion first. However, no matter how much you change the word, if your tone and body language are agitated or aggressive or accusatory, then you're likely still going to be sending that same message of blame and shame and attack so make sure you use a soft tone or, or even just approach it as in you're trying to find connection. You're trying to find common ground here. Describing emotions is really can be really difficult for people. Uh, Most people are able to identify happy, sad, angry, embarrassed, maybe surprised or something like that. But anything outside of those, it can be really difficult to identify and then on top of that name. So in the show notes, I've linked to a feelings and emotional vocabulary chart. This is going to be a really helpful tool in identifying and naming emotions. You can print it off, hand it to people, you can give it away. And so that people are able to really look at this and say, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling and really build up and practice those I statements. So when you are struggling to have that difficult conversation or where you feel like, you know, conflict might be happening, I recommend using these two strategies, finding the time, best time uh, to connect with that person or to approach that situation using the halted acronym and giving space for the other person to identify if they are in a halted state. And then the second one, communicating and using I statements, and then having that feelings and emotional vocabulary vocabulary chart available for you to download, print off and give out. So I'm so thankful for you listening today. I hope that you found this helpful. I encourage you to put this into action. Grab down that download at hopemadestrong.org episode 63 and start using those I statements and identifying halted state. Uh, if you want to be reminded when an episode goes live, make sure you follow us and I so appreciate and value you. Thank you so much for connecting. Take care.